Uh, I'm uh, Will Gaugi, uh, CEO of the Futures Company. I'm Doreen Wong, uh, Group Account Director of Muir Brown China. And I'm Jonathan Garner, Chief Asia and Emerging Market Strategist at Morgan Stanley. Thank you very much indeed for joining the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. We're here at the CBAM WPP Distinguished Lecture and Panel looking at China and the rise of the BRICS. If we can start with you, Doreen, because you unveiled, to much acclaim at the end, the 50 top Chinese brands. Tell us a little bit about who's on the rise in China and why. Okay, and the top 50 brands uh, evaluation we recently did, we identified three types of brands are rising in China. And the number one is those China's giants, those who enter the name, uh, the big China name. And the second time is China's innovators, those brands who actually build up their brands from ground zero. And the third types we identified is those China's image builders, and they develop their image and, uh, and uh, try to develop this meaningfully differentiating brand positioning in China and the bonding with consumers. And the bonding with consumers is key, and, and that's changed over recent years, hasn't it? You looked at how it's changed and, and how, you know, they're not, Chinese aren't necessarily loyal to a brand. They're willing to try out new brands, but they're very proud of what's happening in China itself. Mm. Absolutely. And the Chinese consumers are are bonding with uh, brands uh, more and more over the past years. And uh, we see that Chinese consumers are not like bonding with one brand. They actually consider a short list of brands, what we call is brand repertoire. And uh, we we are very happy to see that Chinese consumers are moving away from this price driven a little bit more toward this short brand list. And those are the brands they prefer to buy. They have a short list of brand preference. Uh, Will, over to you now. You know a lot about brands in China too. Um, What distinguishes those that are succeeding from the others? Why are the top 50 in the top 50? Um, Probably a number of different groupings within the top 50, but I guess perhaps the most interesting ones to focus on are those that are really understanding um, and and keeping up with the fast pace of change in consumer Uh, needs and attitudes towards brands in the Chinese marketplace and recognizing the growing sophistication um, of people's needs and and their ability to appraise and assess and and compare across across brands. So those brands that are kind of keeping pace with the sophistication um, of uh, consumers. And you told that lovely story about going to a hotel and, and you know, when, when China overtook Japan as the second uh, uh, biggest or, or leading nation, that, you know, the, the pride in that, even though they couldn't express it in, in terms of, of your language. But we've also had in the news, haven't we, about China, its GDP, its growth of 10.1% last year. You know, it, it's due to overtake America. It's phenomenal stuff. Yeah, absolutely incredible. And, and as you say, um, you know, it's, it's very, very striking if you spend any time in China, um, the, the, the incredible level of optimism. And you can almost feel it in the air. And um, it's an incredibly exciting place to be. And um, there's, a, there's a huge kind of feeling of pride um, across the population. Now, now, Jonathan, you do take issue with that in that your specialism is, is the emerging markets and Brazil, you say, should be watched. Well, um, I'm certainly known for being bullish on China as well. Um, I was (laughs) just pointing out that in terms of, for example, formal sector employment growth and actually the sort of the wider context of growth, dealing with um, income and wealth inequality, dealing with some of the environmental consequences of growth, I would actually rate Brazil 
uh, higher uh, amongst the BRICS than, than, than uh, countries like China or indeed uh, Russia. Um, I think the China story is likely to continue, and China is so much larger than the other BRICS that the size of the urban middle class there uh, will alone, uh, within the next couple of years, be larger than that of the United States, and it will go on, go on to dominate the global economy. So in that sense, China is by far the more important story. And do you have views on India? I think India's development path is far less certain. The urban middle class is narrower. It's not developing in the manufacturing side of the economy for a number of reasons. I, mean, I think the government's ability to put in high-quality infrastructure is far more limited than in China's case, so in, in roads, in rail, in water, sewerage, in power generation and transmission. It lacks, lags China significantly, and unless you put that basic infrastructure in, you can't have the distribution networks that you need to have a modern consumer society, and so the consumer brands we're talking about evolving in China, they can evolve in that environment far more easily than in the case of somewhere like India. And, and Dory, do you agree that, in, in fact, the, the infrastructure, the, the speed with which China can develop a brand, its engineers, it, its ability to emulate markets and then uh, develop them, innovate and take over, is that what sets it apart? Mm. From the, the brands, we evaluated over 400 brands and across 23 categories, and we see that these top 50 brands actually cover over 19 categories. And apparently, China's economy is providing space for a lot of brands in many different fields to grow. It's not only those brands under the China name, but also lots of innovators are growing from ground zero. But the development costs in China are that much less than in America, and the development times as well at which you can turn around a product and a brand. Yeah, the development time is quite is very dynamic, and uh, it's a lot, uh, quite a few of these brands are actually developing at a very rapid speed over the past five six years, and this uh, and uh, this dynamic market is providing this opportunity. You spoke of the internet too, didn't you? That China, you know, it eats up information. That the Chinese love the internet and going and finding out more. Mm. And, and indeed, you know, the top brand was China Mobile, and and then China's sort of march on Google too. Is there no stopping China? <laughs> um, and uh, as you just pointed out, and the Internet is definitely fast-growing in China, and we found that the Chinese consumer's behavior on the Internet is dramatically different from the Western counterparts. They are more entertainment-oriented on the Internet. They surf more, and they uh, chatting more, and playing online games. And this that's created this very sophisticated and unique media ecosystem, which provides brands lots of opportunity to grow on the digital world. World. And, and Will, have you any concerns of something that may stop that development? You hear about human rights in China. Um, you, you talk about the social progress or, or looking yeah. at what they've done in Brazil and how many people are now middle class in Brazil. Have, have you got any concerns about China's development? Um, I guess the thing that we didn't really cover in great detail today but I think is, is important is the the kind of growing inequalities um, and the potential for social unrest and and um, you know, I don't think that's going to stop the march of China but it but it certainly you know can create some um, some problems along the way and what in terms of your research do you think makes China stand out in in terms of these brick economies the developing economies probably uh, it's hard to say what makes them stand out specifically but Potentially, the um, you know the level of optimism and confidence 
that China has about its, it, its you know, place in the world both today and going forwards. So back to that story of, of you know, China overtaking Japan and, and the victory signs. Now, now, if we go over to, to you, Jonathan, um, do you think it's right to sit at this moment in time when you talked about it being a seminal moment in history? You know, we haven't seen manufacturing development change in this way in the world for 200 years. Can you tell us a little bit about that analysis? Well, in the middle of the 18th century, uh, China and the other emerging uh, economies were the global economy. They were about 75% of the global economy. And then through various uh, turbulent episodes in in history, um, particularly the era of of colonialism and then the world wars, we transited to a period of first European leadership and then US leadership. But now we're going back full circle. And in the last 20 years, the regain and share that Asia and EM have had relative to US, Europe and Japan is... Uh, the fastest transformation of the structure of the global economy um, of the last 250 years. Uh, So it's a dramatic um, structural shift that's occurring over a very short period of time. And by the time that it's finished, we will probably have gone full circle. And China, Asia, and the other emerging markets will again, um, within the next 15 to 20 years, be 75% or so of the global economy. And that's inevitable, you think? There's nothing that's going to stop the, the march of the dragon? It is pretty inevitable. Um, It all stems uh, from adopting the market economy, pricing, labor, capital, and the other factors of production in a more rational way than was done under the uh, the former economic dispensation in all four of the BRICS. Now, now Doreen, one of the fascinating things about your research was you looked at how the Chinese consumers related to the American consumers, and there was quite a lot of compatibility between the two, wasn't there? Uh, correct. <clears throat> and uh, Chinese consumers, and as we see from this uh, brand uh, pyramid, we identify that the Chinese consumers are at the presence level all the way at the bonding level, and they are connecting with brands. And uh, this is growing uh, dramatically uh, over the past several years. And, uh, Will, if, if we let you sum up, having sat here at the CBAM WPP Distinguished Lecture and Panel today, China, and the rise of the BRICS, is there anything that you would pick out as perhaps, if you like, giving you an insight into the next decade and the development of the next decade? Is it perhaps what Jonathan said about the change, the shift in the global world? Um, I, I think it is, and I think it's, it's the the importance of accepting that that's happening and learning to adapt to it it, that's going to be key to you know success for both nations and you know businesses and brands going forwards um i think the you know the the risk is there are too many people who just kind of still seem to have their eyes closed to the realities of what's going on whether that be through fear or a lack of insight or understanding into you know the fundamental changes that are taking place and what do you say, Jonathan, in, in terms of the West? Is our decline inevitable or will our knowledge economy be able to keep up? There's a relative and an absolute story here. The relative story is inevitable. The relative share of Asia and EM in the global economy is going back to where it was. It doesn't mean there has to be an absolute decline in standards of living um, in the Western world. In fact, it's very good news for those companies and individuals that are positively levered into it. It's a challenge, but it doesn't mean there has to be declining living standards in the Western world. And Doreen, let's let you have the final say here at this CBAM WPP Distinguished Lecture and Panel on China and the Rise of the BRICS. What do you think will, if you like, determine 
uh, perhaps the success of China in the future. You know, that 10.1% GDP growth that was announced this week, the um, overtaking of America, is that inevitable? Uh, I wouldn't see that. Actually, I see this as a quite positive way of, uh, as our research has indicated, those uh, Chinese consumers are still bonding with international brands. And we see this, the battlefield is just changing from the Western market and to uh, the brick market, and they need to uh, fight more fiercely in the emerging battlefield in China and continue to bond with consumers and getting to know more about them and uh, developing more opportunities and, uh, and penetrating to the lower tier markets. So it's a great opportunity. And, and it must be a good opportunity if the Chinese consumers do see this, this similarity, if you like, this commonality with, with American and perhaps Western consumers too. Correct. Okay, well, thank you very much indeed uh, for joining me today, Mr. Will uh, Gelgi, Mrs. Doreen Wang, and uh, Mr. Jonathan Garner from here at the CBAM Distinguished Lecturer and Panel. Thank you very much indeed for talking to the Cambridge Judge Business School podcast series today. Thank you very much. Thank you, Barney. Uh, goodbye. Thanks.